Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Elkanen. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday pre-market prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. Well, that was an interesting reversal of trend yesterday. What was what had been hot was not, and what was not hot got hot again. Tech staged a comeback. Goodbye, energy and banks for now. It was all about tech yesterday. All about GameStop here this morning. The stock is back up. Almost got to three hundred dollars. This morning, not quite, though. We're going to talk about that. GE. Haven't talked GE too much besides just technicals, but GE has news, real, actual news this morning. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Don't forget the Roblox IPO is today. It is going to be the largest IPO of the year to date. It's a direct listing, uh, so that'll probably open sometime around noon, I would guess. Uh, Two guests on our radar today. First up is Paul Milagenovich. He is the author of Stock Investing for Dummies and the Raving Capitalist. He'll be on at 8.35 and at 9. We've got Blue Putnam, who is the chief economist at the CME Group, to break down all these... uh, crazy macro developments for us so full show today let's bring joel on oh, also smash that like button guys let's get some more likes than we got yesterday thank you very much joel how are we doing this morning uh we're basically flat nice range overnight we're up uh, just a buck at 74 and a quarter uh this is the last day uh where march will be your front month contract so uh expect some choppy waters today Pre-market high, don't have anything up there at 83 and a quarter. Pre-market low, a little bit of significance there. Uh, The pre-market low is 56 and a quarter. Tuesday's interday low, folks. That's from 930 to 415. That was 55 and a quarter. So that that kind of that's an interesting level. Uh crude, that's up 60 cents at uh 64.61. Gold in the red, but still above 1700. That's down 640 at 1710.50. Silver loses 26 bucks. That's down 34 cents at 25.84. And Bitcoin working its way through the 55 handle, $55,735. That's up $1,000, just about a thousand. And that is the futures. Uh, Triple D, uh, I don't know where we want to start here. I will say that this GE news is pretty interesting. Reverse splat? Yeah. Well, they're doing a deal too, right? What well, give us all the news here, Mister Israel? All right. So, so it's just, it's a spinoff. Um, uh, Aircap ticker AER is going to acquire uh, GE Capital Aviation Services. Uh, so GE is going to get some money as a result of that. They also issued some some new guidance as a result of the transaction. Um, and they also said that the board recommends this was not official, but the board recommends a one for eight reverse stock split, which. I can't remember the last time a company did a reverse split and they weren't in like a trouble death, spi- death spiral, right? Yeah, because once they go under a buck, the exchanges start to uh, obviously uh, want to delist you when you're under a dollar. Yeah. So that's why they do the reverse splits to get back in compliance there. So this is just doing a reverse split because they want their stock price higher. They want a higher stock price. 
Um, obviously, you know, if you own it, you own 800 shares, you're going to have 100 shares after the reverse split. So it's not free money at all. Usually stocks go down on reverse splits because people don't like it that you're taking shares yeah. away from them. They are. It is actually falling here now. And the pre-market was way up earlier, but maybe some people read the, the book on what usually happens during reverse splits and the stocks usually go down. I kind of like it. I mean, I like Train G at $13. I think I'd like Train G at $100 too, though. So um, for, as a trader, I kind of like the idea of G being a $100 stock again. As an investor, I don't. But I'm not an investor. So. Well, you're a trader, so you do. Yeah, so I kind of like it. Financial engineering. That's but this is, is financial engineering in a bad way, really. But, but like that, usually what happens, the stock's reverse split, the stock price pops up and then it just starts to leak. And it leaks and it leaks and it leaks and it leaks. Because it's just a higher price for more people. Um, I don't know why they do that, but they just tend to do that. When they reverse split, they tend to leak after the reverse splits. So You see, you see Groupon? No, it's Groupon, dude. I haven't even looked. I think it's just been a monster. Yeah, we were talking. We talked about it last week, though. But obviously, had an ugly day. Is there news on it? Why bring it up, Groupon today? Because they did a reverse split. Yeah, but when was it? A long time ago. That was that was like it was like years ago, a couple years ago, right? Yeah, I mean the whole business of Groupon obviously was COVID got hammered. You can really see very pronounced the reopening trade in Groupon because. <laughs> You know, you got restaurants or selling, you know, nobody's doing anything. I mean, Groupon was ground zero for this. So you can clearly see, you know, obviously it went from $58 to $10, you know, during COVID because nobody's going to need a Groupon ever again. I mean, we're real. It was, uh, so. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it was it was last February and it was a one for uh, it was basically a one for 11 is what they did. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's I'm sorry, just, one, it was yeah. one for 20. It was one for 20. Stand corrected. Never thought GE would stoop to that level, but uh, they they are. They want they want a hundred dollars stock. They want it to. They'll move. have it for a day, maybe, and then it'll start to leak. So, as an investor, I would not be buying it on this news. Like I said, they tend to leak ahead of those because people don't like getting their shares taken away. If eight hundred shares, you're going to have one hundred shares after this. People don't like them. They don't. Like, they like regular splits where they're getting more shares. They hate reverse splits because they're losing shares. So it's you know theoretically it's supposed to go up as much as the reverse split. They never seem to go up as much either. So I mean, People from a shareholder it. perspective, I wouldn't want to own GE for a reverse split. If you're jumping in saying, "Oh yeah, reverse split, cool," not cool. At, at least you know textbook <laughs> and from a trading 21 years experience, it's not cool. So whoever's buying this, like, where did it get to this morning? Wasn't it 1450 oh, or something? Got over 1450. Yeah. Where yeah. do we get? Show the chart. Uh, I don't like looking at my mugshot all day. Let's what's the chart look like? I don't know. I Spencer took it away. What do you mean you don't know? Who's got the charts? We don't have any charts. I'm sure. No, we don't have any charts. Where'd Spencer go? Spencer? Oh, I don't know. I'm Hello? here. I'm just fixing your what do you want to know this year. So I'm here, but I'm not here. We got the charts. Fourteen fifty this morning. Somebody didn't read the textbook on reverse splits. They were reading it now move. and they're like, oh, this doesn't go up on this? No, they don't usually go up on reverse splits. So rightfully punished whoever bought it up over 14 this morning. <laughs> stock coming in. 
I know, I mean, but rightfully punished whoever's buying at this point. 1452 is where it got to. And uh, what was yesterday's high? 1442. So if you were using yesterday's high, there's probably like a boatload of stock at 1450 since it hasn't been there since uh, early 2018. Uh, we'll see. I mean, parallel. Oh, we're bearing down on a pair of lows from yes, 1380. That's my level of the day. GE, uh, yesterday's low 83 to uh, two day low 81. Uh, if not, look out below major support at the $13 area. I don't have anything else. Do we have a close in between there? No, no, 1360 was your close on what's today, Wednesday? It's an important day for it. How does the market, and again, remember one thing this is an official announcement. So it's if not you, see official. The stock, you see the stock get hammered, maybe the board will have a second thought. So you could see the stock go, go weakness and they'll be like, yeah, maybe we won't do that. You know, this is, you know, something, you know, it's like a feel they could be feeling it out there too. So seeing what the market's taste for yeah. is by saying board recommends as opposed to, oh yeah, we're doing a reverse split. So it's actually not official yet. It's right. Right. But uh, what is official Joel? Just, or did you have another thought on G before I take it away? Take it away. What is official is GameStop is just oh. a monster. A monster stock. We liked it three days ago at 140. I'm like, it was setting up well. You could see it didn't want to go down. It felt like it wanted to go up. I'm actually kicking myself. I couldn't stomach buying it because it was just, you know, it's silly town. And you just don't know, like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, the technicals, if you could just ignore all the fundamentals, which the market is completely doing, the technicals were setting up really well. And we've rallied, a we've doubled in three days since we liked it on this show three days ago. Two, so congratulations to whoever bought. I know there was a couple followers that bought it um, that day. $281 here now. This is incredible. Where this ride ends, nobody will know. I mean, this is... I've never really seen the bag holders get bailed out again and again and again, but they appear to be the case. Could this hit a new all-time high? It is possible. It, it can do anything. It could pull the rug out from under. It is now in the middle of nowhere officially. I would say 300 is a big psychological level. Couldn't get through there this morning. Does it get through there today, intraday? The stock can go anywhere it wants because it's completely disconnected from fundamentals. The efficient market hypothesis, you can throw that and fire it into the sun because it is officially wrong. I buried it last time GameStop was going up. I'm burying it officially. The efficient market hypothesis, it says stocks are always pricing in all fundamental um, and, 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 and information that's out there. It's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. It always was, but this is proving that it's complete nonsense. So this can go wherever it wants. Fundamentals are meaningless. I mean, if we're buying and paying a million dollars or $2 million for digital art, why not pay why not? whatever the hell we're paying for GameStop? I mean, this is just loony. T everything is just crazy. Oh, yeah, I'll buy a, a video of, you know, of a, an NBA player doing a slam dunk and I'll pay a ridiculous amount. Or I'll buy, you know, Dorsey's original first Twitter because somebody else might buy more. Somebody else might yeah. pay more. This is yeah. what it bubbles are built on. They're built on stupidity. And this is, um, you know, more stupidity as well. But I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to short it. This can go anywhere it wants. Anywhere. But but you know what Joel, what's, uh, I think Joel's going to say now is at least GME has some price memory here, right? It's been here before. Yep. 
We right? have technicals. Yeah, yeah we have technicals that's to follow. That's why I liked it. Uh, we, that's we, why we both liked it. Yeah, we, mean, we both liked it on this show two days ago, $140. I even, I was, when was Kenny on? Kenny on was uh, on last uh, Thursday, right? Did Kenny like it? Yeah. No. Yeah, me and Kenny were, we were on opposite sides. And uh, it was last Thursday. He was on the afternoon show. Yeah, and, it was Thursday. And what I was looking at was higher lows. Yeah, I mean that's that not good. I mean, it's, you know, it's like simple technical analysis. Uh, you know, one, and you're on a streak here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven higher lows in a row. What do you need? You don't need to get kicked aside the head. It looks like we're gonna have another higher low today. If you're uh, short this and coming in saying it's stupid, yeah, it's crazy move, man. Because yeah, you're right. It's dumb. But this is the poster child for market can stay irrational much longer than you can stay solvent. Just ask Melvin Capital. So, I mean, <laughs> this is literally the poster child for that saying. So, it can do whatever. Do we have anybody? I know we had some people that, that bought it and didn't get out of it. And I know they were. I would get out if I was in it just because it's GameStop. And, you know, eventually it ends in tears. But, I mean, I thought it was already over. You know, a few weeks ago, and then obviously we got the next kickstart. Then we're like, "Well, it's gonna go again." So I don't know. Does it kickstart all the short squeeze stocks again? Probably. Well, well, it's worth noting that AMC also reports tonight, so there's going to be some fundamental news out. Not that, not that that matters. How can it be a good report? No one's going to movies. I don't understand. And I'm kicking myself because Express reported here this morning, and we can take this over. But I actually thought this. I was like, they'll just find a reason to buy Express because GameStop's going. Uh, they will care nothing about the report. They'll rip. They'll rip Express higher just because it's you know the short squeeze. It's one of those like five big names that they've been running, and it's up here this morning. I was like, why did I not buy that ahead of the report? You know, I just got the guts, buy it ahead of the report because they're probably going to find a reason to rip it, and they do. It's up 25%. What were the numbers? Do They They don't matter, but what no, were the numbers? No, they, uh, they lost $0.66 cents per share last quarter. This is EXPR. Yeah. Uh, that was $0.20 cents better than the estimate, so whoop-de-doo. Uh, sales yeah, they're burning cash like crazy. Companies yeah. in shambles, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, this they, they, they're, they're, their sales, they beat their sales estimate by $6 million, <laughs> so... Good. Yeah. 430 versus 424 million. Um, yeah, but again, mall based retail, that whole group, Express, uh, AF, oh. AEO, right? All those yeah. all those mall based retailers that kind of move together. You can't get short any of these stocks that they've been talking about on Reddit. If you're short these stocks that are on Reddit, you're asking for a lot of trouble because yeah. these things can just go. Is it Reddit driving it? I think Reddit just, you know, right keeps on. the party like the fire going, like they throw a log on the fire every once in a while. This is hedge fund action. This is just, you know, squeezing. This is just doing other things. This is, you know, being driven by major players. This isn't being driven by just retail. This is being driven by a lot of other major players as well. So we've been talking about that. But, you know, Reddit keeps the fire going. And the hedge funds are like, yeah, we'll party, man. We'll buy this thing up and squeeze a few people, make this, you know, make the markets go nuts. We'll do it. So. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so you know the list GameStop and AMC and Express and well, Bed Bath and Beyond was part of it before. I don't know oh, if they're going to wow. get started again. They came off a little bit there, but it could get started again. I mean, there's there's a list of like 30 or 40 of them. That short squeeze site, what was the name of the site you could go to? Highshortinterest.com. High yeah, highshortinterest.com. The yeah, there's they're all there. There, that's the names that Reddit was all picking on when you know the GameStop party. So you know those are the names I would not want to be short any of those names. Uh, game GameStop uh, came halfway back. 
it's actually I just figured the exact number because my uh, not two sixty one. It's halfway from that 483 high down to that 3850 low. And my numbers, like I said, my numbers are off a little bit, but uh, 261. There you so, go. 50% yeah. retracement. Joel's finding the FIB for you. Yeah, there it is. Toss <laughs> another one too. KOSS, I forgot about. Yeah, that one got crazy just like a week and a half ago. And now it's going to get crazy here again. So it's up. It's up 60. No, it's up 40. It was up 60%. It's up 43% here now. How, how about Blackberry? What about um, Muriel Siebert? Oh, yeah, oh Blackberry. You know enough, what? Joel, enough with that one, okay? <laughs> Blackberry. You know what? Blackberry, Um, it got off the mat here. So why not? Why not? It's up 4% here this morning. I mean, it's hard to just... The problem is GameStop turns around, starts tanking, and then they'll hit these ones too. So I don't expect Blackberry to go to $25. I don't think it's going to happen. Could it go to 12 13 it could it's at least you know it's it's stopped going down had a good day yesterday with the rest of tech above 10 as long as it stays above 10 sure so, i think it's okay i don't own it i it doesn't look bad though above 10 so game for all these other names uh blackberry express anything gamestop is going to be your your tell right yeah as gamestop moves yeah. so yeah. will they yeah, I don't think just because GameStop went up 30%, this one's going up 30%. It's a lot smaller moves than the other ones. And if GameStop all of a sudden turns around and starts going red, they'll hammer all these things too, despite them not already having the move. So you got to be careful with these things. GameStop, correct, is your indicator though. What, about, Ro- what about Rocket? I mean, that could go too. That could go, it, it, it could. I mean, it's come back in a long ways. So it's got the potential. Um, they're not really doing much with it this morning. It's kind of just hung out here for a couple of days, but it stopped going down. I don't mind it. I was sitting uh, down at 21. I wanted it at 21. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get 21. I don't think I'm going to get 21. No, not anymore. Someone, uh, someone said, uh, Spencer bust out mama's money. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 yeah uh, i do have a date i do have a day trading position in rocket just a day trading position. okay no, uh, right. okay <laughs> yeah let me yeah. know when uh your mom gets long uh that that uh the blackberry there yeah no, um, i know i don't want to deal with that again <laughs> all so, right okay let's move away from all these meme stocks and let's talk uh, I don't talk, know. There's, there's a lot of different tech? stocks. Let's just talk. Yeah, tech. let's talk the the rally. I mean, the bounce back, the snapback, the impressive, so impressive the rally yesterday. Oh wait, Dennis. Before we do that, what about your your uh, market theory? You know, GameStop up, market down. Are you going to give? That didn't work yesterday. <laughs> Maybe it's officially broken that one now. GameStop was up. The market didn't care. Everything. Well, not everything. That was a wicked rotation day, though. There were so many stocks that were way down yesterday. The Dow was barely up. It might have even closed red. But tech, they were just buying tech, hands over fists, and selling everything else. Again, I... if if and who's who does that? Like who's coming in and buying up Tesla a hundred bucks? You know, who's saying it's going up two hundred? I don't get it. I mean, if I was long Tesla and you had the guts to, you know, we knew it was oversold. We talked about tech yeah. being oversold. You bought it at six hundred. Who's coming in at buying it at 680 and 690? They think it's going straight back to 800 in this market? I think you're on the wrong side. Like, it's buy the dips, sell the rip. Don't buy the rips. But people do it. A lot of people are doing it. It doesn't seem to work as well as buy the dip. So, nice snapback rally. Yeah, I I wonder if it was my article. (laughs) What did you put in your article? I put an article. It was was kind of... 
it was like, what happens if Tesla takes out 540? But I said, if. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that went I the other way. If, and it went the other yeah. way. So I think people are like, oh, man, we're going to burn Joel on this article. And they just, <laughs> yeah, and they did. I did, because I got some terrible. people were like, LOL, you know. And I put at the bottom of the article that I'm long. I just wrote it. What I mean, it was just a setup. I was all that I was doing was talking about a setup. What yeah. if it took out 540? It got this 560. I mean, if anything, I was saying, hey, you know, take a shot here and lean on 540. I don't know what that's happened. That's what there. I liked was I was trying to lean on some of those lows. You know, that's why with Marvel, you know, I bought a few. I didn't go into Tesla because, again, valuations. But I was like, I'm Marvel. I had a level to lean on. I was like, okay, I'm going to ignore, the, you know, that the, the big cut through 37.92. But I was like looking at the previous day's low at 40, 39.89. I was like, well, maybe it bounces at 40 again. And I picked it up just above 40. Rarely do I buy almost the low of the day. This was on the 8th, but I did. And obviously, you know, for two days, it's ripped higher. But, I mean, if this was a trade, you'd think, okay, well, 40 to 45 in a day is a pretty good trade, just like Tesla. If you were lucky to buy it under 600 and it rips up to 680 in one day, what do you do? You take the money and run. (laughs) That's what I say you do. So I ring the register when you get those, you know, wicked, you know, pops there and, you know, and and you've had it on just for a trade. You can sit around and be greedy. But again, this market has given back. It's still we're still in the yo-yo market. The title of the show two days ago, yo-yo market. Yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. So, I mean, we are bouncing around here a lot still. Is there another big down day to happen in the stocks? I think so. I think it's going to be there again in tech stocks. I don't think we're out of the woods. Is Kathy going to go straight up from here, ARKK, you know, and just buy the hell out of it? You know, I would lean on those lows on the move, but I'm not paying up a 122. comes back 116, 117. You want to take a shot, you know, buying the dip if we get another dip, which we probably will. Uh, Chris Brown and uh, people are, is asking, where do you find my articles? And I, I, every day I do the pre-market prep stock of the day. And you, you, you can you can go to com. You know, I'll just put a link where you can find all Joel's articles. How about that? Yeah, that's like, good. Special. Yeah, every day. All. Sometimes Special it's something Joel. we talk. Yeah, uh, you, you can find every article ever published under Joel's name at Benzinga. I haven't wrote link. a spa- sports on, article on this that. link. I'm about to put in chat. There it is. There's the link. You know to what Joel link. Joel's you know, archives. You know what I, I am scouting out though, and Nick Bellucci will be happy about this. Uh, I've been watching uh, the Derby preps, the Derby preps. When is the Derby? Uh, First Saturday in May. It's coming. Yeah. Yep. Who's the horse? Uh, You have a picture yet? Now, there's one horse that, I mean, they just, they haven't run the big Derby preps yet. Yeah, so not uh, enough information yet. Not enough information, but I'm actually, I got a little, uh, I've been watching them on the weekends and i think there's uh there's a horse that won the gotham it's not a big stake i think it's grant honor or something like that he came from way behind but we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to watch more of the derby preps there hasn't been uh the florida derby there hasn't been um uh there hasn't been the big ones yet but uh it was uh it wasn't the Gotham. I can't remember what race it was. It was Race of Florida, and this horse, Grant Honor, I think is the name of it. That's my early favorite. But hey, we still got over a month away. Back to the markets. Hey, Dennis, eight thirty Feb CPI. Everyone's worried about inflation. I got to go wide. 
What do you think? You, think uh, you probably got to be careful on this and economic numbers. They haven't mattered for a long time, but they are starting to matter here now because you're right. People are looking at rates. People are looking at inflation and they're looking for leads. You know, we hadn't been looking at the bond market forever. And then the bonds, you know, obviously became the leader here. All of a sudden people decide to start looking at it. You know, TLT had been going down from a month and nobody paid any attention whatsoever. But all of a sudden it has a, a bigger down day and everybody's like, oh, rates. So, anyways, that's the way this market does. It doesn't notice things until somebody points it out for them on CNBC. It's literally the dumbest market ever. But okay, let's continue. You got to get that one. I'm man. getting that one. I'm getting you that get one. That, that was what good. Was that? I don't, Dennis, I don't think you can. <laughs> that I don't was think good. you can repeat that noise that you. What is Bitcoin's story? They're all talking riot. Well, Bitcoin did did not sell off with the tech rack though. You would think like Bitcoin would get hit with all the Momo stuff, and it really didn't. And now we're starting to get, what's the all-time high in Bitcoin? We're not far. We're uh, not far. And the, and the futures? Yeah. Whatever. We're, we're what, I don't know. Because it's, yeah, it's quoted on like a bazillion places. But what's the, the roundabout all-time high? We're not far. Uh, 50, 58. Uh, what's this high right here? I thought it was 59? in the 59. We never hit 60 then. 58.470 on the 22nd. 58. Okay, and where are we at? Yeah. 56 this morning? We're right there. Yeah. So, yeah, because yep. people talking the riots and the Mara, I mean, they've been hammered with Momo, but the nice snapback rallies here in all these um, the last couple of days. I, I'd be a seller into this um, on these plays, but, I mean, uh, good good on you if you guys are buying this one. I mean, it's just... The Bitcoin's it's, holding up well. What yeah. about the the laggard of it's been BTBT? It really got hit hard. Like, I mean, from 30 to like 11 in a week and a half. And now it's um all of a sudden, you know, back up at 17. So it's kind of bounced. But, you know, you want the list of them. There's Riot, there's Mara, there's BTBT. There's some smaller plays in there, too, Um, which, you know, I can't even remember them all yeah, here these now. Are but... about, ooh, look at that. There's an interesting level. Let's see if it uh... – for uh for mstr is a big big one too right oh is that that micro strategy yeah that really bounces around that thing ripped to 1300 and then it got cut and you know by 60 percent now it's showing some life here again too so Hmm. let's see here we are we're trading wow we're trading up here i see 56 look at all these highs around fit i keep an eye on 57 today that looks like a big level if it blows through there, things open up. I see a couple highs. Let's see what it, how high it got in the pre-market. Uh, boom. Uh, Jeremy gave me some levels uh, to keep an eye on in uh, Bitcoin. Try and buy it on a pullback. But, man, if it takes man. out that 60000 that's the big level. Like, can it take out the fifty-eight and make new highs, or does it stall out there? That's the question that to be answered here. Important question. Full disclosure, I'm still on Bitcoin. Yep, GBTC. Oh, you got God. GBTC? Uh, no, 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 I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm not Canadian. I've got two of them. I got, I can't remember the symbols of them either. I and mean, I think it's, I, I got two of them. I got the ETF one, and then I also have the other one too. So I have two. I read an, in, there was an interesting, uh, interesting piece yesterday from uh, Dave Nadig, who is uh, the, the head of, uh, what is he? He's like the CIO, uh, director of research at ETF Trends, wrote a whole thing about GBTC and basically how. It's the ultimate diamond hands play because GBTC can literally never sell their Bitcoin, like it's trapped in in GBTC. Uh, it was it was a very interesting Why is it piece. Trap? Uh, he he ran into the, this whole thing basically uh, just the, like the, the the way like the nature of the tr- structure of the trust. They basically like can't they they can't sell it. Uh, 
I, I'll, I'm, I'm going to do a bad job of explaining it. So rather than me explaining I'd it, love I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm put, put the link to this article in chat. I'm going to read that. And, and y'all can see what a uh, very interesting, um, interesting rabbit hole. You can call it a rabbit hole. Interesting rabbit hole into, into the inner workings of GBTC. Uh, this is from Dave Nadig, who is uh, a great follow on, on, on ETF Twitter. Um, it is 829. Yeah, uh, let's, see. let's see what happens here. Why? Why? Go wide. Go wide. All right, whatever. Should I, I just, should I just I, hold, hold I, the orders in there and get kicked off? Sold, 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 sold. It goes one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> As the algos pick you off. You're sitting there, five, you know, with a five points looking. <laughs> that speed's ripped twenty on you. And you're like, "Ow!" <laughs> this is called getting picked off. Ad- adverse selection risk. <laughs> Here uh, we go, eight thirty. I'm ready to cancel wah, all the orders. Little pop. We went wide. We're thirty-five cents wide on spy. Forty cents wide on spy. Okay, we're trying. Where's the number? All right, that's yeah, good enough for me to cancel. <laughs> I canceled all my orders. <laughs> Didn't get picked off on anything. They're slow today. <laughs> all right. You're, the only, oh, you're the only person that can lose money and laugh. I, I had I, my first uh, losing day of the year uh, on my in my break trade account. Oh, here we go. In line, one point seven percent. There. I'm sorry. I I, I read yeah. The is Bob uh, going to shut you down? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, it was a good streak I had going. Streak ended yesterday. I couldn't dig out of the uh, out of the hole that I got buried in off the hop. Buried in basically in the pre market overnight. My overnights just were killing me. I had some bad overnights. Had some value long. Thought I'd hedge it with IWM, which has typically worked not bad. Did not work yesterday whatsoever. I got banks long down two percent. IWM up two percent. I was like, wow, this did not work at all. So anyway, so yeah, so. Actually, I had been on a good run, so that's just my bright trading account. Obviously, my retirement account goes up and down with the market, but my main overnight day trading account, that was my first down day of the year. So it's been a good week. It was a good run. It was a good run. Yeah, uh, I'm going long. Uh, we got a nice pop here. Very nice pop. I'm glad here. I got out. I'm glad yeah. I came up with my orders. Yeah, look at that. We made it. We made a new pre-market high. And, uh, the previous high was 83 and a quarter. We just got to 88 and a half. So they like it. Not worried about inflation. We, like pump and pile. Just not worried. CPI in line. Uh, let's see what happens. Big number. The only number on the upside, 39.01 and a quarter. That was yesterday's high. So that's really what we have. I don't know. I don't know. Yesterday I was calling for an inside day and they blew me out of the water. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to make any predictions today, but 39.01 and a quarter. That was the high from yesterday. Um, Are you guys interested in, in the IPO uh, today? Roblox? It's it's going to be RBLX. It's a it's a direct listing. It's got actually actually the first direct listing on the Nasdaq. The nice. uh, all the previous ones, uh, uh, Slack and uh, Spotify were on the uh, NICE, but this one's going to be on the Nasdaq. So we uh, we have a reference price. Our reference price is is forty five dollars. Again, this is uh, direct listing, meaning they're not raising money. They're not issuing any new shares. They're just giving their their current shareholders liquidity and allowing them to sell uh, $45 is going to be the reference price, which is kind of the same thing, uh, you know, in practice as the IPO price It's it's just, it's, it's going to serve as like a, a, a guideline for the stock today. Um, but it's, do you guys know what Roblox does? I'm just curious. Oh, nope. I'm going to take, take a stab. It's very interesting. Sure. Take a stab. 
is it the uh is it um uh maybe i'm totally wrong no i'm totally wrong okay it's it's basically like it the the best way to explain it it's kind of like a social network for video games and by that i mean it's it, it 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 outsources game development and the the users on the platform they make the content they make the games if you want to make you know uh Dennis Knight, or, or I don't know, or, uh, or Denny Denny Knight, or some some game call Call of Dennis. You can make that on Roblox, and then you can, and then people can play your game. Basically, it's a platform oh, cool. for you to make your own game, and then you get uh, a cut of the revenue, and uh, and you split it with. Let's Roblox make a pre market prep game. Pre market prep like game, a, exactly. A stock trading game, exactly. So you like can we'll make have it like so you know. the, the users make their own games and then play them on the platform. And so it's all user generated content uh, from. So it's basically just a platform for users to make their own. It's very interesting. It's very, very cool technology. So uh, with Roblox IP today, I'm watching the the handful of uh, esports ETFs that are going to have to buy them, I'm sure. ESPO, Hero, ESPO, Hero, and Nerd are the uh, the three. Uh, Yeah, those are the three esports ETFs. Uh, So you know they're going to have to buy Roblox. And watching those today. That's it's gonna be the largest IPO of the year. Remember, they're gonna IPO back in December, right around the time that Airbnb uh came to market, and then that that thing went like bananas. Uh so they're like, Well, hold on here, let's let's wait and let's see if we can get a better price. Um <laughs> just, just to give you an idea, we were talking yesterday or the day before about valuations. The valuation of Roblox in September 2018 was two and a half billion dollars. Today it's thirty billion dollars. So it went from two and a half billion to thirty billion, we or 20, twenty-nine and a half billion in 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 one year and 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 five months. So, uh, welcome welcome to twenty twenty-one, where we pay anything for growth. Yep, that's yep. what it is. seems like you got to be. And we smart. buy digital art for millions of dollars because why not? There'll okay. be somebody dumber after I'm sure to buy my digital art picture, or we'll buy Jack Dorsey's tweet the, the, that he didn't even spell Twitter right on. This is this is. No, I know. Did no, you notice no, that too? Yeah, no, he didn't even spell Twitter right. Guys, that was intentional. Come on. Um, and and either way, is, and this is a better analogy from from Bethy. It, it's more of like Minecraft. It's open source. Thank you. That's a much better analogy. Than you got to be smart to use that thing, huh? You got to be. Mean, you got to be into gaming. Is is what you got to do? Nah, just me and uh Drake on Fortnite. That's about it. Yeah, you still kicking okay. Drake's ass? Yeah, he, he won't he won't come on anymore. <laughs> He's scared of you. <laughs> he won't go on the Peloton with you, and he won't play Fortnite with you anymore either. Hey, All right. you know what? I oh, are we bringing in Paul? Yeah, we finish your thought though. Oh, I just want to say, I first time in a long time I did the uh, six a.m. swim. Oh, nice. Yeah, yep. So we're feeling good. I already got a good. A, three hours into the day but anyways All that right. was off topic let's bring in paul let's bring on paul mlajenovich he's the author of stock investing for dummies and the raving capitalist which is like my favorite like nickname uh ever paul what wh- what's been on your radar here what have you been watching what's been on my radar well yeah. when i'm dealing with my uh, clients and students i i just think that this is um I don't know, maybe one of the most incredible markets of my life. I think it's uh, overwrought, uh, overpriced. I think there's a lot of, uh, of the um, of hazards out there. And for me, I'm, I'm more of a value investor. Uh, but I do have clients where I do speculating. And they've done uh, – last year was actually a great year for many of my clients. Uh, among our speculations was uh, – 
you know, uh, precious metal stocks and, and commodity venues. And uh, so, you know, we're looking forward to a, a good year, but I do think that the, the most hazardous times are ahead of us. And so I think people have to be as exceptionally careful. Uh, but depends on what you're going to do. Uh, in terms of investing, I think value is more important now than it's ever been in my career. And I, for those of you who want to speculate, you know, uh, like market crashes and things of this nature, I think that the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months uh, will offer some spectacular speculative opportunities there as well. So uh, there's a the long answer. So <laughs> fire away. Well, you, got, you got any specific stocks you're looking at from a value perspective? Hold on. Wait, try it again, Dennis. Ask it again. Do you, I think you heard me. Do you have any uh, value stocks that you're looking at specifically? Well, uh, okay, um, I, you know, a guy like me in a public venue, I always have to be careful when I'm uh, making uh, specific points. But I'm happy to, uh, uh, I mean, for some of my clients, I mean, I, I actually like uh, Cisco because it has a good PE ratio. It has a good dividend. It's optionable, and it's part of the backbone of the Internet. Uh, so I think, it's, uh, I think it's a pretty good uh, environment for stocks such as that. I love consumer staples, and I think that they're going to be an important part of uh, people's long-term portfolio. Uh, so uh, I definitely go there. I think precious metals, because I think it's going to be an inflationary environment and massive volatility coming. So I think uh, precious metals-related investments, I think, will uh, will do well. So, uh, so I think there's plenty, but they have to go by value uh, it, it, going forward. And yeah. dividends, too. I love it. So you're not loading up Bitcoin? Oh, no. I, well, here's the thing. For a lot of my clients, obviously, Bitcoin is the, uh, the, the the newest kid on the block, and it's been overwrought. And I think that the downside is just as real as the upside. So for my clients, I, I, I tell them, go ahead. Part of a diversified approach is not just stocks and bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, gold and silver, but some Bitcoin, too. I think that's fine. But for some of my clients who are more you know, um, circumspect about, I, I prefer like the blockchain uh, stocks instead because they're they're much cheaper to get involved with and they're 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 a, a great way to play it you know just like for some of my clients who asked me about Amazon and I go no I, I'd rather go buy things that would benefit from Amazon like you know uh, packaging and things of this nature because that also had pays a good dividend and it's a much more assured way to play things virtue versus overpriced stock like Amazon so, so, all right so I have a question so Paul you know, you, you say you're, you're a value investor and that really hasn't worked for, say, say for a couple of moments here and there, it really hasn't worked for, for quite some time. So how do you sort of navigate that where, you know, you're all about, you know, the valuations and the PE and the price to sales and, uh, and, and, and GARP, uh, but growth has been the story for the last decade. And it, it was like, a, it was on steroids last year, the, the growth trade. So how do you, on the one hand, you know, look at the at, at at valuations, and on the other, like not like just get insane FOMO when you're watching everyone else just chase and be rewarded for it. Well, understand this about the the, the value investing side. If you're investing in quality, you know, it, it, my most of my positions have been beating the market over the last five ten years, so I'm not that worried uh, about that aspect of it. I, I just think that you know, there's a lot of people out there ch chasing stuff. That's, that's going to end up biting them tremendously. You know, a, a part of the value part is because because let's face it, a good chunk of my clients are, are in pre-retirement. You know, uh, th does it make sense that, for them to be in, in some of these uh, positions? Well, you know, again, I do take uh, the speculative positions. I bought call and put options that given me 500% uh, 
gains, you know. But I, but when I say value investing, I'm talking about, you know, for people where they're going to put 80% of their portfolio, you know, they, they, they have to be investing in the companies and looking at the fundamentals. I'm not worried about that they're not going to be doubling and tripling, you know, in the short term, like a lot of these, you know, glamour stocks and headline stocks, et cetera. Uh, I, I want them to be safe because I think that, you know, when the, the next, uh, you know, market volatility hits and, and the pullbacks occur, you know, what's going to still be standing? You know, you're going to see you know, a lot of pain in the market because it's definitely overwrought. You know? so, uh, so, so, Paul, so how would, how would you position for, for a downturn? Let's just say hypothetically, um, you know, we, we experienced something like we saw at the, at the, at the end of the dot-com mobile where for like a couple of years there, the market just went down for a couple. It was like a long-term bear market. How would you position for that? Well, first of all, Keep in mind, I, I, as I mentioned, uh, to my small uh, impact, I do have you know, bearish positions out there and inverse things. And, and you, since you mentioned the dot-com days, you know, my, uh, among my biggest positions at the time were, uh, were long-dated put options you know, on many of the Internet stocks. So for me, I was poised for those crashes. And then when the market came down, Obviously, in a market crash, whenever it's like a you know a generic or a system crash, the good stuff comes down with the with, with the bad stuff. Right. So for me, when I cashed out all the my speculative positions and sitting on those profits, now I was able to you know uh, look at stocks and 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 find phenomenal deals, and then and I was able to lock in you know for many of my clients dividend yields that are twice what they are today. So going forward, I, I think that a, a small portion. You should be considered, you know, uh, bearish because I think the the, uh, the market, uh, you know, uh, a, a crash similar to 2008 is sometime on the horizon, especially with the policies that they're unfolding now with the economy since January. So positioning now, yes, I would start accumulating like some inverse ETFs on the speculative side, and and in addition, I, I I'm also buying um, call options, you know, on a lot of things that I feel are going to benefit. When some of these things hit, you know, cause I'm, I'm very bullish on the precious metals sector and on commodities. So I, I think those are going to be outperforming during the next 6, 12, 18 months. So what do you, uh, Paul, what do you, what do you use to, uh, you know, to pick the turns. I mean, that's the biggest thing in the markets is, you know, the turn when things go. So, you know, you can buy options and they can expire worthless and stuff. Do you have, you know, is there a technical level? Is it a gut feeling in your stomach? What do you use to catch the turn? For those moments when I get speculative, you know, obviously I use a, a combination of fundamental analysis and technical analysis. You know, uh, if, if I'm going to be bearish on something, first of all, I mean, for example, uh, tw uh, in the last few months of 2020, I was very bearish on uh, on Tesla as an example. You know, it had a P.E. ratio of uh, over 1600 at one point. You know, its RSI was very high. So for me, if I feel that there's underlying fundamental weakness, plus I feel there's 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 an overbought condition, you know, then I will consider them to start putting in, you know, my tone of water for speculative things. So. No, I, I, I don't use, like, my gut on these things. Fundamental analysis, when that's in line with the technicals, you know, very bad stocks at very high prices, then I see some bearish opportunities. And, of course, the reverse, when I see something that's over oversold, 
you know, and I think it's fundamentally strong, then I start accumulating it. So, no, I mean, I, I, it's, it's all data-driven as far as I'm concerned, and it's uh, worked out well in, in recent years. All right, Paul Mlojanovic is the author of Stock Investing for Dummies and also The Raving Capitalist, which is, again, my like, favorite name ever. Paul, thanks. It's been a while since we spoke. Thanks a lot for the time today. Thank you. I wish you all success. Thank you again. Thanks, right. Paul. Next time we get Paul on, we'll have to uh, do an audio check before. There's, I, all, I, there's, 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 there's some play. audio hiccups there. but that Everyone is, gets He's got food, so much there. energy, though. I like his energy. Yeah. All right, uh, 845, we're going to have Blue Putnam, the chief economist of the CME Group, on at 9. In the meantime, I, I asked Paul that question, and I want to ask it to you guys as well because we got it from, from chat. But how would you position for a hypothetical, and again, assuming uh, we all can, rec- we can recognize it when it's happening, uh, and it's not just a flash in the pan like last March, how would you position yourselves for one of those long-term downturns? We got I already did it. From chat. I already you- did it. I did it two weeks ago. I started raising cash. Um, you know, I, I redeployed a little bit of that a couple of days ago, but I've still got more cash than I normally have. So I started selling stocks. So you could buy. So, okay, so so then, then then let me rephrase. What would cash. you own? What would you own besides cash? Okay, so you would just own cash. Okay. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I never. I w- I would short stocks. I really thought we we're going for a downturn. I short yep. stocks. I don't need to go and buy SQQQ like people say. Oh yeah, let's get long SQQQ. Well, I guess when you darn allowed to short stocks in Robinhood, you don't have any other choice. I short the QQQ. If I'm bearish, I don't need the SQQQ. I'll just short the QQQ. That's good enough. So that's, you know, how I play it. I, I short stocks. So, but, you know, I'm obviously always long. I, I'm, on my trade, I'm always long short. I'm just trading market neutral. But long-term investment portfolio, the only time I, I, I rarely hedge myself. I hedged myself back in February starting in January of 2020, because I was really worried about COVID. Let's, yeah. which, so I bought puts. I bought a lot of puts. And a lot of those first round puts, like I said, expired worthless. And then I reloaded because I was like, I was convinced that COVID was going to get ugly. And I was then, you know, obviously my puts paid out for me. And it held, you know, helped me to hold at least some of my portfolio. But when you get nervous, you raise, first thing you do is you raise cash. You know, you, you sell the stocks that you think are the most exposed. So I was worried in a couple of weeks ago about you know the, the SPACs and about you know, the SPACs getting ugly. So I started lightening up my SPACs and I was also worried about the tech getting ugly. So I started lightening up some of my growth trades, you know, some of those growth names. Didn't sell my Amazon, didn't sell my Apple, didn't sell my Microsoft, didn't sell my long-term Qs holding, uh, didn't sell my long-term SPY holding. You know, those are long-term holdings that I've had in there forever and I'm still comfortable holding them. But any of those smaller growth names, I thought those the ones were hit. The Kathy stocks, I thought those might get hit and they did. They bounce back nicely, so that's what's the first thing you do. You raise cash. I think I think that's a really, really tough and vague question because we have so many people of different ages, right, in different places. I mean, if you're, I don't know how many people we have like over seventy listening to the show, right? But if you're seventy, seventy-five, eighty, yeah, and you've been in the markets for a long time. And you're living comfortably of, you know, following your game plan, then, you know, you want to leave the, you know, you want to leave the chips on the table. Fine. But you just, you got to look, if you're a youngster like Spencer or like Mike did, I think you just, you prepare for the downturn by getting ready to buy more. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, you know, it, it really depends and where you're at. 
Are your kids need to go to college? I mean, I can remember back in the financial crisis, you know, we had some friends that, oh my gosh, you know, our kids, we had four years worth of school and now we're down to a year and a half. I mean, what things are important to you? Buying a house or, you know, where you're at. So, uh, but you know, it's so hard to time it, like you said, with the puts. You know, the uh, the the timing of them is is really hard. I, I, so. Den- I remember Dennis was like bashing his head against the wall because he was like, "I can't believe it! I can't believe it!" Well, it was all I, February. Why, why, am I, why am I wrong? Why am I wrong? I, I couldn't I, believe that I was wrong. <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong. For, I was wrong for a month and a half about COVID. The market kept going higher. I'm like, yeah. I'm convinced this is going to get ugly. My timing is just out. And I the whole first round, I tried to be a hero and buy you know three weeks out. It wasn't enough. So then I went four months out. I was like, I'm going to be, in, I'm going to, it's going to be get ugly by June. So I'm like, I'm going way the hell out. And I went way the hell out. And then obviously I bought puts, I think it's a spy 328. Um, yeah, I think it was. And the spy was around 333. And I think I paid, it was ridiculously cheap. I kept saying how cheap insurance was. I think I paid three bucks or four bucks for like the 325 puts. And Spy obviously went to 225 or whatever. It went to 230. I, I got out way before that. We I was on the show and I was saying I was lighting up. When we got to like 270, 280, I was like, okay. We just fell 20%. I'm like, I feel like now's the time to start, start lifting my hedges. And then we kept going down. I was like, why did I lift my hedge? <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting hammered now too. This is horrible. I called this thing and now I'm losing money too because I left my hedge too early. So anyways... I rarely hedge my long-term portfolio. If you're a long-term investor, you hope the markets go up over the long-term and you continue to accumulate good companies at reasonable prices, you will be fine. Like I said, I rarely hedge my long-term portfolio. Um, there's been, you know, that was one of the only times in the last 10 years. In the financial crisis, I try, I hedged myself too um, because I thought that was going to get ugly as well. Sometimes the, the really, you know, the really serious ones are very obvious too. The financial crisis was slow too. And it was obvious, you know, when it was happening. Like people like the people got that's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. What do you mean you didn't see it coming? There was like literally so much warning in two thousand, you know, yeah, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven was, was coming. Uh, the the housing bubble burst in, in you know yeah. seven, but the market the stocks were still holding on. Market didn't crash till oh eight. No, I know, really. It started going down late two thousand seven, but yeah, it was. No. It, it gave you lots of warning, and COVID no. gave you so much warning. Like, people were like, oh, I didn't see March coming. Well, you definitely didn't listen to pre-market prep. We talked about it for, for a month and a half, for six weeks. People were getting sick of us talking they, about they, it. People were very upset. With they them. were upset that we kept saying the market was going to go down and it was going up because it was just, you know, it was ignoring it. We completely ignored what was happening in China. I was like, I see what's going on. You know, I see these videos and stuff. I think they're lying about the numbers. We said it all on the show. And obviously, you know, that, that was an obvious one. I mean, Chris Camilo, who is the permable, you know, and obviously heavy, you know, margin buyer and everything. He bought insurance on his portfolio back then because I talked to Chris back then because I couldn't believe I'm like, and, and like we were, we, we talked like, are we the only people in the whole world who see what the hell's going on? Apparently we were. <laughs> it was very obvious. You know, that's why like even going after, you know, oh, the administration and saying, you know, we're going to go after Congress, that new Every, if you were watching anything on social media, you knew coronavirus was coming. There was no doubt. And there was no doubt it was probably going to get ugly. I didn't foresee a 35% downfall. I thought it was going to be like, you know, like, you know, maybe going back to SARS where we had a 15% fall. I didn't think we were going to fall 35%. So it went way, it got way uglier. But 
going back to your original question, I rarely hedge my long-term portfolio. I will allocate, if I'm a little nervous, I raise a little more cash. Yep. If and I'm a little bit aggressive, and, I, I put in a little more stocks. So I'm just and, balancing. But I'm probably always holding, like, I'm always holding, like, half my money in stocks always. You know, like, I'm always long in, in the long-term yeah. investment portfolio. So as the market goes up, you know, you're, you, you know, if it continues to drift higher, you're going to make money that way. Uh, Fred, Frederick Walser says that uh, he called you uh, Chicken Little Triple D, but he did end up buying puts on the cruise lines. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he bought puts on the cruise lines. That was a smart move. I had one short. And it was um, it was an airline short. It was like UAL. Yeah, Remember that yeah, one, Joel? Yeah. I was going on the vacation, and I shorted UAL. Yes, Evil Dennis shorting stocks again. But somebody, there was like some. They announced something. It was like I don't know, like end of February, and UAL announced some. Like they got some perks or some, you know, bonuses or they they announced something that they got some deal or something, you know, with, you know, for, for like, I don't even know what it was. It was like a credit card deal or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Okay. And the stock popped from 75 to 81. I remember that. And I was like, this is the stupidest pop I've ever seen in my entire life. And this was right before I thought Corona was going to get ugly. And I got short UAL like $81 after hours. And then I'm like, screw it. I'm going on vacation. This was a Friday night. And I was going to Jamaica, which was crazy to go to Jamaica when I, I talked about a virus yeah. was coming. Yeah, I, did, I, I wanted to bail on the trip. I was I like go? really nervous. I wanted to bail on the trip. And anyways, I was like, I'm just going to hold this UAL short in my overnight portfolio and go to Jamaica. And I went to Jamaica and I'm watching like the markets crash. That UAL, two days later, I covered it like 60. Like it literally went down. It was like a, just a, you know an overnight trade and I covered it 60. And obviously it went down to 20. So, you know, I always get out way too soon, but. Anyways, um, that was a nerve-wracking trip for me to go on vacation when I knew coronavirus was coming. So um, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, S&Ps, uh, we're still – we're holding the majority of these gains here. Uh, we're up 15 and a quarter handles, two points off the high at 90.75. So uh, a good morning here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do we cover – GE is just kind of – we did talk a little GE, big news on GE. It's just holding in here at 13.75. That was uh, – that was the – the area of the two lows from yesterday. So bulls and bears are squaring off there. Did we cover earnings? Did we cover? Uh, there were no earnings. Um, there like were no earnings. I know. It's, uh, what about, what about what the SPACs? The stock SPACs. Okay. Because you know what? The market had a wicked rally. These SPACs are just forgotten now. There were so many SPACs that did not participate. Like, really didn't even go up at all yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like, you would have thought that, you know, here's this market, you know, that, you know, everything's ripping higher. And there was a few, not all of them, but there was a lot of SPACs, especially the $10 ones that have come all the way down to 10 And they are just forgotten. They just are not. They don't get any love. I don't totally understand it. Like I said, you know, I still think there's some going to be some good SPACs out there. But this sec- the, the whole SPAC sector is absolutely hated right now. Um, and any pop deal pops, I've been selling into the deal pops too, but you don't even see them announcing deals right now. Cause it's not the environment to be announcing a hell of a no, lot. That, of that's, that's, not not true. that's not true. There, there are deals announced every week. There hasn't been for the last couple of days. Have you, I, I haven't seen any, like we were seeing three, four a day. Oh they, they, they slowed down. It's slowed down. Maybe not every day. But... I think it's slowed down a lot. It's maybe it's selective perception on my part, but I think it's slowed down quite a bit. The deal, the deal announcements here. I would, I, I said, like, I wouldn't be announcing a deal right now. Wait till you have a better environment where they're going to reward you. Because right now you're seeing deals 
and the stocks are going down the spacs are going down on the deals so yeah. anyways the spacs have been like left in the dust here for the most part a lot of them even somebody was asking about c um the, the, the poster child who started it all was uh cli what the, what the hell like cciv cciv yeah or cciv that but i mean that didn't really go up much yesterday yeah i mean look at it you know they you, you saw this ripping rally where they were buying everything tech and this stock was up a, the spac was up a little bit but it didn't rip your face off rally you would think that would think rip rip to 30 on it and it didn't so is this an opportunity for a catch-up trade in the SPACs? Well, I'm throwing to you, Joel and Spencer. Yeah, is this an opportunity for a catch-up trade? Or is there a reason they're not participating? You're, you're talking to the wrong guy. I, I've, I have... Uh, we got to get SPAC attacks. Yeah, we'll get SPAC, Chris yeah, on here. Mitch, are you in the background? I, I think he is. The, what, the weird thing to me is, like, there's just where is all this money from SPACs coming from? You know what I mean? Like, they're raising all this money uh, from all these investors. Just a, just a stupid amount of money. Where is it all coming from? That's what I want to know. Like, how much dry powder? Dry powder Where does there... all this come from? How much dry powder could there really be out there? There is, though. People are buying a digital art for a million dollars. I mean, there's a lot of money just looking for a home. People are scared of inflation. They just want to buy whatever they deem an asset, not even assets in itself, whatever they think is an asset. Like, oh, I'll buy a Twitter. I mean, if you're going to pay $2.5 million for a Dorsey to have the rights that I own the first Twitter, I don't even know what the hell you do with that. But, you know, they're, 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 they're you know, it's a, yeah, like this is, you want to talk about selling snake oil. I mean, this NFT stuff just seems like this is, oh, yeah, we got the snake oil. We got or we got the good stuff. We got these, you know, we'll give you the rights to the first tweet, tweet ever. I mean, this sounds like it's going to end inevitably. They're bidding it up. It's like bid. It's like two and a half million bid or something for that tweet. It's absurd. It's a so if, party, if it's going to be that absurd that you're buying nothingness. I mean, Bitcoin's absurd in itself, too. So, you know, you're going to buy nothingness? Well, at least as the stocks are getting somethingness. So I, I can't, you know, see really like I don't I'm not predicting this epic collapse in stocks. I thought we were overbought. We kind of had a pullback. I'm going to keep reallocating capital on the on the dips. Today we're getting another rip, but I'm going to keep reallocating capital in the stocks because if they're going to just get stupid and pay, you know, real money for a digital art clip that anybody can download for free. Um, I'm, you can't be bearish. You can't be bearish stocks. We'll, we'll have to get uh blue Putnam thoughts on, on, on what this says about the economy here, uh, here in a minute, but Real I just quick, want, before you yeah. bring blue on, someone yeah. was asking about the different, uh, color, uh, candles on the chart and what you're seeing here with the, uh, purple and what a fuchsia or whatever that color is that represents the after hours in the pre-market trading. So, and then when you look over to uh, the right, the upper right, the green and red candles are just a regular session. So we like, this is the pre-market prep show. We like to talk about the pre-market action. And a lot of times it's a precursor to the action that uh, that you'll see in the regular session. I'm going to make a stand here and say that's magenta and cyan is, is what I, I'm, I'm declaring. Okay. That. All okay. right. Yeah. All right. Uh, 9 a.m. <laughs> Let's bring on Blue Putnam. Uh, as I mentioned, Managing Director and Chief Economist at the CME Group. Blue, good morning. How are we doing today? Oh, doing well, thanks. All right, Blue, uh, I'll, I'll pose you the question that I just asked, which is uh, what, what is, all, what is the, the NFTs and, and, and all this? What does it say about the state of our economy right now? How, how late in the cycle are we? 
<laughs> we're pretty early in the cycle. Pretty early in the cycle. Okay. <laughs> this is not really a cycle. This is a rebound. And uh, so when you think in cycle terms, you uh, you get really confused. Uh, you know, the pandemic really shut down the economy, and now the vaccine is going to make it possible to be fully reopened. And, and that's a, a transition. Uh, it, it's, you know, cycle thinking is not appropriate here. This is a rebound, okay. and it's okay. pretty big, and you add stimulus to it, so forth. Okay. Uh, Blue, the, the main reason I asked you on here today is I, I wanted you to explain to me, like I'm five, what is going on with the Fed and trying to control uh, the yield curve and 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 that then impacting stocks. Can you explain all that to me, like I'm five? Oh, well, we can try. Okay. <laughs> Well, the first thing let's let's take it backwards. Let's uh, let's talk about stocks first. Sure. Stocks, stocks are in the terms of a fixed income person. They're they're long duration assets. That is, uh, particularly uh, tech heavy stocks. Uh, you know, they have a duration of a, like fifty years. The longer the duration. Uh, of what you have to expect to get your you know, value out of it, the more interest rate sensitive you are, particularly to long-term bond yields because you match up the maturities to the duration and so forth. So let's just remember that as we go through this is that the, the growthier the stock, the more technology growth stocks, you're going to be a lot more uh, sensitive to rising bond yields. Okay, now let's go to the Fed. Actually, before let's go to the Fed, let's go to the uh, stimulus package. You know, we're uh, we're putting out 1.9 trillion, of which 1.2 trillion is going to be spent in this fiscal year, which ends September 30th. So that's pretty rapid spending, and half of that 1.2 trillion is going to be spent in the next six or eight weeks. Well, spent by the government in the next six or eight weeks. That's the uh, direct payments and unemployment insurance and things like that, it's going to hit discretionary spending very quickly. So the bond market knows that it's got a lot more supply coming than it expected because this is a very big package. Um, And now what is the Fed doing? The Fed is buying $80 billion of treasuries every month. And if you do the math, that's about half of what the uh, Treasury is going to have to borrow just to fund this new package this fiscal year. Forget about the fact that we already had a big budget deficit and they were going to have to borrow a ton. So the Fed is uh, is buying securities, but they're buying at the same pace they were last year at the point of the pandemic. And they're not increasing their buying. So the, the control of the bond market has really shifted away from the Fed and to the market participants who are having to react to all of the supply that's coming. So, uh, you know, we have a lot more supply. Um, there's no extra demand from the Fed. Bond yields have gone up a lot. Bond yields went up a lot. Long duration assets like bonds dropped in price, yields rose, but so did stocks, particularly the technology heavy, growthier stocks that are more longer duration. Um, maybe that was a high school version. No, so so explain explain what comes next now. Like what what comes next? In you know, we saw the market not really react well to what Jerome Powell said, or, or I guess what he didn't say. Like, like, can you explain explain that reaction? Well, the uh, a lot of the market participants uh, believe the saying that, you know, that 
don't fight the Fed, or the other way of looking at it is the Fed has your back. And, uh, you know, they were trying to figure out what Powell was, you know, guiding about the future. And Powell has been very, very consistent. The Fed has said, look, we don't care how fast this rebound is. We don't care what kind of inflation comes out of it. We're staying at zero rates for at least another year and into, you know, probably into the next. And by the way, we're going to keep buying 80 billion of treasuries and, and by the way, also 40 billion of mortgage-backed securities every month because we, we'd actually like to see inflation overshoot. And, you know, we're not even convinced a lot of inflation's coming. You know, what we may see in the next couple of months is temporary. I'm quoting uh, Powell here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he basically said the Fed's going to stay exactly where it is. No change. And then that what that told the bond market was, wait a minute. So we market participants have to absorb all this new supply. Oh, well, you know. Maybe yields better go up a little bit. So that's what happened in late January and February. It's all anticipatory. We've priced all this in now. I mean, you know, by the time the president signs this bill, all the effects will be done. And yet in the last couple of days, though, yields have gone gone back down. Well, you know, they a little bit within the volatility zone. You're you okay. guys are way okay. more accurate about these things than I am. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it, it, it's such a, it's such a minutia, minutia point, right? Such a, yeah. Short sixties. We're at one fifty five on the 10 year, you know? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I feel intense, not, hun- you know, hundreds. So, so I, uh, I guess how, how, how afraid or, or not afraid are you? Of an inflationary environment, because we see a lot of people always freak out. Oh, my gosh, inflation is ter- going to be terrible, terrible for stocks. H- how afraid or not? If, and, and you just said what, what Powell said uh, about that and, and how they're not really that concerned, A, and B, they don't, they're not sure it's going to happen. How concerned or not, or not concerned are you of, of inflation? I think we probably will see a little uptick in inflation over the next couple of months, but that's really related to supply chain issues, logistics, problems getting goods shipped around. Uh, It's not so much the longer term inflation that the bond market would be worried about. So I'm in Powell's camp there. Longer term, and by longer term, I mean 2024 and further out in the, the decade, the jury is definitely out. We have tremendous stimulus from fiscal policy, tremendous stimulus from the Fed. So that's what you'd call modern monetary theory, the fusion of uh, fiscal and monetary policy. And a lot of people think that's going to bring some inflation. On the other hand, um, we are in a technology society that companies can expand production and do so by actually not even raising costs, sometimes lowering costs. Um, most technology companies and most companies that have harnessed technology can expand their businesses at a pretty stable cost structure. And so that suggests long-term inflation is significantly less likely. And then there's demographics. Um, you know, the U.S., Europe is getting older. China's getting a lot older faster. Uh, that means there'll be some pressures on uh, the labor force. And so that does suggest some inflation coming in wages uh, down the decade. So the jury's definitely out on long-term inflation. But look, right now, what do we got? On the 10-year, we're at 155 on the yield. Where are we on core inflation? Historical lagging 12-month lag, we're about 150. Um, you know, 
what's the premium there? There is no premium. I mean, if you're telling me the bond market's scared of inflation, I got to see the bond market pricing in much higher inflation. Now, tips, the five-year Treasury inflation protected tips price in about 2.5% inflation. Uh, which is still in the 1% to 3% range we've been in since 1994. So, you know, the jury's still out. I'm not convinced about the long term. Yeah, we haven't seen inflation really, I mean, kind of in my lifetime. Beyond that, like we just said, we haven't I really since when? Like the 70s was the last time we, we had a prolonged period of inflation? Yeah, they, we, we started to see inflation in the late 60s uh, coming from a pretty low of 2 or 3% and creeping upwards. Uh, by 1971, the president took us off the gold dollar standard. We saw a lot of inflation in the 70s, and we peaked over 10% in, in 1980, 81. Yeah. And that's when, you know, the bond yields went to 14%. The Fed funds went to 20%. I mean, it was a pretty dicey period. Uh by the way, if you want to look at equities, now not on a daily basis of where a lot of people say equities are a good position to handle inflation, but if you look on a decade-by-decade decade basis, when we've had a, an inflationary decade, equities haven't been all that outstanding. Now, obviously, bonds, <laughs> that's thats an even worse story. If you're going to get a lot of inflation, bonds have to price that in, and that's lower prices, higher yields. But, you know, equities aren't that uh, you know, we hit the, this is way back, but in the 60s, we hit Dow 1000. We didn't cross Dow 1000 definitively until like 1982, 83. Mm. Uh, we went and touched it like four or five times and just couldn't cross it in the 70s. So yeah, uh, if we have a lot of inflation, then you have to be careful on equities. But by a lot, I mean over 5%, uh, you know, this 2 3% doesn't matter much. So, so what, if you could point to one, what what signal uh, are you watching the closest right now? What e economic indicator are you are you most focused on? Well, you know, I watch about a thousand of them. But uh, right. if I'm worried about inflation, uh, I'm watching the dollar. Okay. Now go back to the 70s. The dollar was incredibly weak. The U.S. got forced off the dollar gold standard. I mean, it's very hard for a country to have a lot of inflation without also having a weak currency. It creates this, what we used to call a vicious cycle. Inflation comes up, the currency gets weak, it feeds back in. Since uh, the late mid-80s to now, we've had more or less a virtuous cycle of uh, stable to strong dollar and, you know, no, not much inflation. So I'm I'm looking at a. I want to see a different path on the dollar, and okay. right now the dollar's fine. All right, uh, Blue Putnam, managing director and chief economist at the CME Group. Blue, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, uh, and just to bring the conversation full circle, uh, talking about inflation and, and the '70s and what we were talking about earlier, who were the biggest beneficiaries? of the rip-roaring market in the 80s. It was everyone who just kept on buying and buying and buying all the way through the lost decade of the 70s. And then when the market started ripping higher for, for 15, 20 years, they had the most capital to compound, right? So just to just to bring it full circle on, on long-term investing. And uh, it's, it probably sucked for a decade or more. Uh, but once the market turned in the 80s, they were the ones that were best positioned to uh, benefit. So, okay. Uh, it is 9-12. That's going to be, I think, a wrap. Uh, Joel, do you have any final thoughts? You're still hanging out. Oh, you're on mute, though. Uh, unmute your mic. I'm sorry about that, Spencer. Okay. Too many browsers open. No, I'm yeah. just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna bug out here too. I yeah. mean, we got the thirty-eight ninety-eight. Okay. Talked about a target on one and a quarter. 
yesterday's high so we're gonna get maybe at this rate we're gonna be there real soon so we'll keep on that looks like another good day so far in the market and creeping back up into the 3900 handle that old-time high 39.57 and a quarter it looked pretty far away on friday looking much closer now so all right spencer all right. i'll talk to you later on all right thanks a lot joel if you're listening via podcast please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes not for investing or trading advice everyone have a good rest of your day at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.